The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. But thank you all for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, happy Wednesday, everybody. My name is Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. 
And uh, we have an awesome show for you scheduled today. And uh, also, if you're tuning in via the radio, welcome, uh, Dead Dork Radio listeners. We are streaming live there as well. And uh, Benjamin, how's it going? WDR, Dead Dork Radio. Dorks get high and multiply. (laughs) Oh, hi. Hi. I was doing my little radio voice bullshit thing that I like to do. Is that a new chair? It looked like it was bouncy. It is. You got a gaming chair? chair? I do. I do. Nice. (sighs) Wow. Okay. It has lumbar support, so I can take a nap during the show, just in case Jeff's boring. Right. And it's new, so it's probably going to fucking squeak. Oh. No, that squeak's not the chair. Might, that might be something else. <laughs> uh, this is the squeak your bones. You're number one, Jeff. Yep. <laughs> yes, I am. So we got a great show tonight. I'm looking forward to this one. Um, you know, uh, I, I want to apologize to our guest if I if I uh, say anything that is offensive. Um, you know, but this one this one should kind of rock you a little bit. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with Mr. Neil Getzlow. I believe I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, you got it right. Excellent. That is a first time for everything, folks. Well, a lot of times I fuck fuck people's names up on purpose just to get a rise out of them. Not with with the kind of... I'll tell you, you know, my my nickname in high school used to be Gets High, not Gets Low, but yeah, so... I'll take that for you tonight because I'm getting high. Yeah, that's that's on you now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to to put up with these two every week. You can do it without. Oh, I usually do, actually. I, I do perfectly fine without. Yeah, but you have to have a drink with us. I'm What's drinking. going on, Jeffrey? What'd you screw up? Oh, he froze. Uh-oh. Okay, anyway. Yeah, he got a <laughs> He got a call. He'll be back in a minute, folks. So, so Neil, uh, while we wait for Jeff to do whatever he's doing, uh, why why don't you? Uh, why are you here? Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, well, I um, I just recently wrote a book and published it, and it's out for the world to see. And it basically it it outlines my journey from a forty year addiction to pornography that morphed into a sex addiction that led me to getting blackmailed by a prostitute and ultimately found me being saved by God and by Jesus to pull me out of it. So um, there's a lot of different uh, layers to unpack here. Um, Not sure if you want to start in any particular, one particular spot, but... uh, Um, Yeah, while we wait for Jeff um, to come back, I, I, I want to go back to the very beginning um your your career um which led you to all these other things i would assume but you were a communications and public relations leader yeah can you explain just a little bit what what was that what is that what yeah so um in in most of my career i um i actually started off started off as a wanting to be a, a tv reporter got a journalism degree but realized very quickly that that was not going to pay me any money so got out of that and, and went into the corporate world and basically um you know was became a you know a pr flack for a lot of big brands um dealing with the media when crises happened or trying to promote the latest product launch and 
um, just, uh, yeah, trying to tell stories around these different brands that, and a lot of them were, you know, were global in nature. So it was, uh, it opened up a lot of doors, provided me a lot of resources, provided me a lot of opportunities to, to get into, to get into things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. Right. Right. So it's yeah. your fault that people drink Coke zero. That was not the one, but if you, if you enjoy a big Mac now and then, I I can take a partial credit for that. Let's I'll say okay, that. Okay, okay. We can't hear you, Jeff. Your mic's not on. <laughs> we can see you though, so just sit there and look cute. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. But I, we I had like a power surge. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, my fucking router rebooted. Everything had to reboot. Oh well, your mic didn't yeah. reboot, so. Okay, well, welcome back, anyways, Mr. Holman. Yes. Back, back yes. to our, our now back to our guest. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, you know, my my the, the thing you didn't hear me say was I'm not a I'm not a Big Mac guy. I'm more of a quarter pounder kind of dude. There you go. Yeah, can't go wrong. Quarter pounder, Big Mac, egg McMuffin, you name it. So did you work for an agency that was then hired by these companies or was it for one particular company? Yeah, I worked yeah, primarily worked directly with these with the companies. So it was an in-house PR person. Okay. Um, and so yeah, that you know, look, I'll just say it. Yeah, I, I spent quite a bit of my career at McDonald's and um, it was one heck of a company to work for. I, I will say that. They um mm-hmm. Just to be inside that company and to see how it works and to see, you know see it all come together and um, it's impressive. I learned a lot there. That is very cool, actually. Very um, cool. I, I I work in the corporate world as well, and a lot of people don't realize, like you know, like I worked for small companies for like almost all my life, and, and it's it's a world of difference. You know, uh, I, I could just imagine the stories you have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure you probably probably can't tell a bunch of them, Tim. <laughs> no, probably not. No, you'll have to buy the book. Well, hey, maybe I should write another book, this time just behind behind the golden arches, you know. what? Uh, right, right. Stories lurk there. <laughs> Actually, that would be really interesting. Well, so, so I don't know how much you can talk about, but talking about, like, the golden arches and PR – Mm-hmm. You know, the whole I, I'm sure you probably, you know, uh, studied the history and stuff like that, you know, when you were working for him. Uh, but like the whole hot coffee debacle, you know, yeah. uh, how much of that was like a PR push to try to discredit or, or to change the public opinion from from like within or was that just like, uh, you know, media took it and ran with it? You know, it, it's you hear different sides of the story. Uh, you know, and that was actually, that was a little bit before my time at, at McDonald's. So I'm not sure exactly how, you know, what the internal discussions were around that particular issue. Um, although, I, I mean, look, if, if you have a coffee, can be a coffee cup and the lid's not secure and it's 800 degrees. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of an issue there for sure. Um, I, I, you know, what the time I was there, though, there was, I sort of got to see the discussion around, there was a time when the company had to choose between are we going to focus on how much calories are in our food or how the quality of our food? Because there's a big difference. 
and and, and McDonald's went down the route of talking about calories and it kind of went away from the food quality point of view. And I actually think that was probably a strategic error at the time because right after that, it didn't seem like the whole world was talking about maybe, well, no one cares about, because you talk about Chipotle. Like people love Chipotle because it, it's good for you, right? Like it's good ingredients. But yeah, you're gonna come out of there with like a 1500 calorie burrito. So you could have three Big Macs for the, for one burrito. So they, I think they just, you know, that's it, there's a lot of interesting conversations like that that happen uh, yeah. on a basis. And, and, no. Yeah. no, no fast food is good for you. I don't give a shit how you look at it. Well, you, you know, I, I, there was a time when they were trying to do like the healthy route. I don't know if you remember, like, you know, everybody was advertising their, their salads. You mm-hmm. know? Oh, I yeah, knew, they were pushing the salads and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Wendy's. I'm a Wendy's guy, anyway. Oh boy! All right, yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> the train has I, I, I just have to say, the Baconator. Oh my God! <laughs> right. Everybody tuned in because they wanted to see this amazing guest. We're talking about fast food. Yeah, Wendy's chicken sandwich. <laughs> I like Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich too. Listen, there's only one good fast food. That's peanut butter sandwiches. Oh, yeah. That's fast food. When I can just go, and I walk Dude, away. That's a whole seconds. other discussion because what kind of peanut butter do you use? Oh boy, Skippy baby. But crunchy oh, or see, I'm a Peter oh, Pan no, no, guy. No cr- crunchy. Yeah, I know you're a Peter Pan guy. You're in the fucking tights. Relax, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a tutu for your birthday, sweetie. You'll be fine. Oh. So, 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 try Neil. to bring us back on on. Please on do. So, so Neil, talk <laughs> yeah. about you know what you went through. What kind of time frame are we looking for? Was this something that lasted, uh, you know, uh, a year, multiple years? Great you know, what, what was your what was your involvement? Um, well, so I would say like my my um, addiction to porn, I'm going to say, started back when I was nine years old. Honestly, that's when I was first exposed to it. And I, you know, so I grew up in the late 70s, early 80s. So, you know, the conversation was. You go to your friend's house next door, like, you know, you go play outside in the yard, then 15 minutes into it, it's like, all right, let's go find your dad's porn stash. And you go raid the closets and boom, you found the mother load. Yep. Um, yep. Hustler and yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, for, you know, there was also um, behind my elementary school, there was a, a little wooded area and it was nicknamed the Playboy Forest. That's because there were these ripped up pages of Playboy strewn around this little campfire area. And we'd ride our bikes there after school. And, you know, once the older kids cleared out, you know, the younger kids like me went in there. And um, that's that's where I was first exposed. And from that moment on, it just sort of I, I was stuck in like a tractor tractor beam. And, um, you know, it's uh, it, it just didn't let go of me. And, you wow. know, now now way back at the beginning, you know, when this whole thing first started, were you yeah. a boob guy? We'll say, say that again. I'm sorry. Were you a boob guy? <laughs> I don't well I don't think I had a preference when I was you know nine years old I think it was just whatever I'm looking at it looked good to me okay uh, all right I got you so I uh, yeah go ahead. go ahead so yeah so um that's kind of where it started but I would say like also like <clears throat> that I was the typical latchkey kid of the early 80s too my parents got divorced moved away from all my friends, um, moved into an apartment with my mom, and she had to go work full time. So I was home alone a lot. 
And, um, you know, on either side of her bed were these two nightstands. And on these nightstands were stacks of Playboy and Penthouse magazines. So what am I going to do? You know, 11, 12 years old, nothing but time on my hands. I'm spending my time <clears throat> um, trying to cure my loneliness looking at the pornography. And that's sort of how it kind of got wrapped into my DNA a little bit. And we can mm -hmm. get into unpack that here in a little bit. Uh, but that's sort of why I first started using porn was I, I had this hole in my heart because I was alone. And I thought nobody loved me. And this is a way for me to what I thought would try to fill that up. Um, not, not to mention that that was about the time that cable TV also came into existence. And so now I've got MTV full stream. I've got like little 10 second snippets of a scrambled showtime signal that if you had the right moment late at night on a Friday, you would get something because yep. they're soft core movies. Like that's like, I like to say, like the culture was just seducing me all that time, and and ultimately it just um, sort of it started like any like any addiction, like any um, any drug. It's soon it's not enough, and you have to go look mm -hmm. more and, and harder. Mm -hmm. now, now, see, I'm I'm a little bit older than you are, and I remember way back in the day it was the Sears catalog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. Would you look at that tracker? <laughs> Thank you, Leo. Leo found the buttons, folks. He has sound effects now for Jeff. This is just going to get better. Oh, yeah. You know, well, I mean, you know, back in the day, I mean, it, it's not like they were targeting the young, the, you know, the young guys. But in my opinion, in some ways, they were. You know what I mean? I, I I think that they were trying to create an audience at that point for when they got older, uh, because let's face it, sex yep. sells. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, think about it at the time, like at, at one point, Playboy actually had like real news articles with real reporters in some way writing about politics and all that. So I think there was kind of to your point, like there was a sophistication to it for for the older crowd, of you get the you get the glory of the, the images, but then you also there's some pretty interesting content in there too. Um, from a, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, <laughs> I read it for the I read it for the jokes. Yeah, right. But like it's, I wish I would have. I have this picture somewhere in my room of my uh, my dad's 50th birthday party, and um, I'm sitting on his lap, and I'm 10 years old. And he's, there's this picture of him and his birthday cake. And the birthday cake is a picture has on there, drawn on there, was the, the grandma old lady from the Playboy magazines. I don't know if you remember those cartoons, but there was like mm -hmm. an old grandma lady that would, it would be very uncompromising art illustrations of her. And this thing was on my dad's birthday cake. And so it's just like, it's just, you know, it seeps in everywhere. And now, you know, I think about my kids now who are in the 18 to 20 year old range and, Man, you just all you got to do is just pull out your phone, and 30 seconds later, you're looking at whatever you want. Um, it's yep. unfiltered, yep. straight from the fire hose, exactly. And sometimes, when you, you know, you Google something, you think you're Googling, you know, like, oh, you know, this cat, and, and it's like, whoa, wait, no, that's not what I was looking for. Yeah, so, how to blow out candles, you gotta put, yeah, search on. you gotta put what safe search. Safe or search? Actually, actually, you probably disabled safe search. Is that like parental guidelines? 
Pretty much. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I don't have none of that shit on my computer. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's yeah, yeah, no, no. Leo, listen, you're just gonna come up here from Connecticut and fix all my stuff. That's all. That's oh. it. That's all. <laughs> you know, but it is even even in today's society, they they they're still pushing that shit. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I I just you know? I. I mean, and I, I think, and I bought it, like, and I bought into it again for, for most, for the good 90% of my life, I was right there loving the culture of it every moment until, until finally I, I took a few hits to the head, but I finally realized what it was doing for me, you know, what that stuff was doing to my life, to my mental health, to my physical health, and to my finances, like, um, but it's easy to get sucked into it because it's just mm -hmm. sex sells, it's, it's everywhere. In fact, I don't know if you saw this today. I just accidentally came across it on, on Twitter and then my eyes sort of melted out. Adidas has put out a new ad and it's for a sports bra. And it was like these images of all these different breasts. Seriously. Like just straight up. And like they weren't like, you know, they were very normal. Mm. All kind. It was just interesting. Like, okay, like really? Like that's where we're going with this? Like, Hey, that's just me. Right, right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, one hundred percent. Because it's, in in my opinion, it's re, it's relentless. It is. It's nonstop. You know, it's absolutely relentless. I mean, I scroll through Facebook, you know, just just looking for something interesting, and it's like every couple of scrolls, okay, there's women's underwear ads. There's there's this, and it's like, come on. You yeah. know what I mean? Don't they know I'm a I'm a guy, so they're showing it to me, but well, I don't give a it's, shit it's about based, the underwear. It's based on, you know, your previous search patterns. You know, I don't search for stuff. women's underwear. You search something that, you know, kicked in the algorithm. Just saying. I don't, I, I don't get any of those ads. No, oh, okay. So I, I want to buy my wife something nice for Valentine's yep. Day. Yep, and that's what happened. Exactly. Well, you know it could I mean? be Valentine's Day, or it could be you triggered some system where you know you're you're, you're now targeted as you know a, a male, and you know yep. you're you're in some database somewhere, and that's how they get you with the ads. It, it's all. No, I'm in a lot of databases everywhere. I'm sure. Well, and the, the companies <laughs> sell uh, your information. You know that there's. Uh, um, I forgot. There, there's You're supposed many, to click like, the box. Do not sell my information. Right. Click but, the box, dude. Right. I worked right. out a put. I right. worked out a place that this guy was taking our catalog and selling it to. I think Dun and Bradstreet, and he was like pocketing the money. Nice. Yeah, he he handled our catalog sales, and it was. Wow. Like, yeah. So you know. So it, now it's my turn to bring this back on the tracks. Leo, where can they find out about our great guest? Well, you can find out all the information in the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. Um, but th there's a lot that we're going to get into, as you said, some layers to unfold here yeah. before we get into that, because that's going to be a topic of discussion. I think that it's just going to keep rolling. Leo, why don't you hit the commercial break a little bit early here? Yeah, totally. And, um, uh, you know, just to get your, your mind going, we definitely want to discuss, you know, what you saw as like the warning signs. What were those yep. lumps in the head that you talked about and, and some advice that you can give people, you know? It's, yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, so, uh, you know what? I mean, uh, Hit the right button, please. 
I, I'm I just can't <laughs> <laughs> is now sponsoring the Dorkening Podcast Network. Our craft sauces are made in Vermont in small, high-quality batches using locally sourced, farm-grown ingredients. Silk City Hot Sauce comes in a variety of heat strengths and killer flavors like Jezebel, Erotic Fever, Mango Madness, and Good Morning Jonestown. And don't forget our newest creation, Hot Syrup. Make no mistake, Spice fans, this is the queen of sweet heat. There's new and unique flavors coming out all the time. Best of all, right now, listeners of the Dorkening Podcast Network can go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and use coupon code DORK. Not only will you get 20% off your order, we'll also throw in a free bottle of hot sauce. That's SilkCityHotSauce.com. Coupon code DORK. Thank you for supporting Actors and Others for Animals. We started a long, long time ago. So when you find an organization like Actors and Others for Animals, it sort of unites all of those of us who want to pay back something for all the joy we get out of animals. Please keep up the good work. Believe me, it's deeply appreciated. And definitely check the show notes up above or down below, depending on what you're watching or listening to. Learn more. Joe. Yeah. We're back. We are back. back. Yeah. Go ahead, fire away, Leo. I know you want to. Well, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, uh, what were some of uh, I, I. I know it lasted since you were younger, but what were some of the, the warning signs looking back that things were getting bad? Yeah, that's a good question because I didn't, I don't think I even realized at the time what, what looking at porn was doing to me. But I would say like, if, if I look back on it now, I, I think about what it was doing to the relationships that I was trying to have with 
with women. Like in the, I, I used to equate, again, not, you know, this goes back to what I found out through counseling. Like I didn't have the love of my parents and my family that I felt like I needed. So I looking for an outlet for that, which I thought I found in porn, but I thought that was real. I thought sex equal love. And I thought it just, the lines got blurry real quick. And so I was hopping from one relationship to another, um, looking for that, you know, just looking for that, I don't know, fix isn't the right word, but um, looking for that sense of love. And I, but I thought you had to have sex with someone to feel that love. And, um, you know, it, um, it just, uh, it, it short-circuited my brain when it came to relationships. It short-circuited my brain when it came to how, it, how I looked at women, how I treated women, you know, treating them as a sex object. That's all I was, you know, that's really all I was thinking. Um, but I'd also say too, like, like I mentioned, soon the porn wasn't enough. And then when I got to be older, I had money, had got to be of age. Well, then it became clubs, and then it became adult entertainment or adult theater theaters. Um, and again, you, you do that for a while, and you bounce in and out of relationships. And then ultimately, um, when when that didn't work, I had to I had to get the real thing. And ultimately, the, that led me into the world of prostitution and, and paying women to have sex with me. You know, it's uh, oddly enough, uh, while you're talking there, uh, our chat was getting bombarded by bots of, uh, mm. uh, yep. yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm not going to mention what they were saying, but, no. you know, it, it's, right. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. They were, they were quickly deleted. Thank you, Leo. Yeah. I, I, I try my best. But the, uh, yeah, the system is definitely, you know, rigged to take care of uh, want to target people's vulnerabilities. You know? Right. Right. And uh, I, I could just imagine, you know, with with any sort of addiction, you know, you, even you look at anything, you know, it, it's a constant battle, you know, uh, whether it's uh, sex or drugs or drinking or whatnot. Uh, you know, I would imagine every day is is a battle, you know, trying to uh, stay out of, out of that and then. You get a stupid thing like uh, bots or, or the system targeting, you know. It, it, right. it just it flips back to what we said before break where Jeff said women's underwear because it really is like that. You can search one thing. I searched fireplaces with TV mantles on Google. And every day I have 70 of them in my newsfeed now. So, well, And your phones are listening to you. Oh, oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm sure we're going to get on our phones afterwards and there's going to be something tied to this conversation, some ad that's served up on Facebook or whatever social media account you're listening to. Yeah, 30 percent off digital hustler magazine. <laughs> well, maybe. You know. so, so here's a perfect example of this. And, and, you know, some people try to say it's bullshit and whatnot, but uh, it was around the holidays. We were talking about um, uh, different uh, recipes. And I mentioned, you know, and this is something I've never bought online. I've only bought it at the supermarket and, you know, I haven't searched for it, anything. Uh, but I was talking about how I like to use red pep pepper flakes. And I must mention a couple times. And then a couple days after that, all I started getting was ads for red pepper flakes. It's, it's fucked up. Absolutely. Well, okay. But so I, I have a question for you, yeah. Neil, you know, yeah. Um, when, when you were, um, 
coming into I'll, I'll say maturity and you were looking looking you know for dates and, and and wanting to you know establish relationships and stuff like that um uh, was it more and i'm going to assume but you know was it more of a uh a sexual approach or a sexual need that you had over that emotional need well i, I think it was both because again my brain sort of confused sex and love and you can have that emotional connection without having sex with someone and be you know have an intimacy that doesn't involve mm -hmm. physical part so i but i kind of for whatever reason i kept my brain was wired to, to believe that the sex was the intimate part the sex was love and those two issues sort of became mingled in my brain and i couldn't i couldn't separate them so ultimately the relationships i had were were centered around sex and you know, if I'm being honest, once, just like, you know, you watch the same porno for, you know, how many times you get bored with it, so you go find a new one. That's kind of how I was with sex. And, you know, the sex was great when it was new, uh, but after, you know, a while, but I had to move on because it just was, I needed something else to fill that void. Okay. So, so it sounds to me like what was actually missing during that time was the ability to form that deep emotional bond yeah. with somebody yeah absolutely okay yeah definitely you know and i will say like um and, and again we'll, we'll get into this and in, in, in the role that you know my faith played in in sort of my recovery and all this and how i, I kind of got pulled out of it but in addition to that you know one of the things i, I always want to emphasize when i'm talking about is the importance of, of mental health and making sure you're, you're taking care of your, the mental side of things mm -hmm. in your life and so in addition to turning to faith, I also made sure I went and visited a counselor. Um, and my wife and I went together uh, to talk through our issues. But, you know, I went by myself for a few times. And, you know, I remember um, the first question my, my therapist asked me, he's like, what's the first thing you had to remember that you had to remember to learn how to do when you were a little kid? So I thought, that's a fascinating question. And then it's like a light bulb went off. And it's like, oh, I had to learn how to be alone because my parents got divorced, my mom went to work, I was home alone, my siblings were all out of the house. Like I literally, I had to learn how to be alone for most of my life. And so that meant I was taking that loneliness in my heart and, and filling it up with pornography. But what, what it did was it formed this shame cycle, which would start off with, well, I'm alone, nobody loves me. I'm gonna try to make myself feel better by diving into X. And for me, it was pornography. And so I'd look at the pornography, I'd feel better for a little bit, but then when I was done, I'd have this overwhelming sense of shame and guilt. And then I'd say to myself, well, this is why nobody loves me. This is why I'm alone. And then the cycle mm -hmm. would just repeat over and over and over and manifest itself in many different ways throughout the bulk of my life. Wow. Mm. Now, obviously, you know, you, you mentioned your wife, so obviously you're married. Yeah. Is it was it difficult to commit to something like that? To commit to being to, married? To, yes, to commit to, to, to commit to, to basically a lifelong relationship with a single woman. Um, so this is my second marriage. Uh, and I'll say the first marriage ended when I had an affair. So, um, so yeah, I mean, on the face of it, it didn't seem difficult, but I, I, I look back on it now and just wonder if I was, again, just, jumping into these things because, well, that's just what you do when you're mm -hmm. with for a long time. You, you, you just get married and live together and all that without thinking through the, the ramifications of all that. 
Now I will say, um, my current wife, we're coming up on 10 years being married. Um, the past two years of our life have been the best two years we've, we've had together. Our marriage is better than it ever has been, despite all that ugliness I brought in, into the, to our world. Um, it's, it's stronger than ever. So now I, I definitely believe in, in marriage and, and what it means to be with one person, but I had to learn the hard way what that was about for sure. Right, right. So okay. you, you mentioned you had to learn the hard way. Yeah. So I'm going to bring us Let's up a it. few steps. Um, you had mentioned that, you know, you were out there, you were at the adult clubs, you were paying um, prostitutes and others for, you know, sex. Um, so let's bring it up to the point yeah. where you got caught. Yeah. Um, and basically you were blackmailed by a prostitute. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> bring, bring us up to speed, please. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like I said, you know, you, you kind of, I was taking more and more chances and I, I would say that probably my wife and I've been married 10 years. I probably say for the first, well, maybe for that middle part from like year three through eight, I was probably very consistently visiting with, with women and prostitutes. Um, so that led me on a business trip. And again, I go back to my work before the age, a lot of opportunities to travel and be on the road. Um, this was a business trip. I took to Chicago in February of 2020, that last week of February. And, uh, it was a, just a random Thursday morning and I don't know why, but I just like, my anxiety kicked in and I felt like I had this, I had to go act out. And when I get anxious, that's what, that's what I turned to was, was prostitution. And so I set up an appointment. Again, there's no sexual, necessarily a sexual desire there. It's just like your brain, my brain just sort of disconnects and just kind of goes on autopilot. And I just, you know, I had a mission that I was going to do and that's what I set out to do and went to this um, woman's hotel room. Um, <clears throat> did what I was there to do. And then as I was um, getting ready to leave, the second bedroom door opened up in that room and out walks this man. He looks like an offensive lineman from the Chicago Bears. He was dressed in drag. And in his left hand, he's holding up his phone. And on that phone is pictures of my wife's social media account and her cell phone. And he's like, you're going to have to pay us more money or we're going to call your wife. Hmm very interesting situation to be in. And again, I, I put myself in a lot of risky situations mm -hmm. to that, but I've never been in a situation where I thought, well, this is it. Like, this is, so this is how it's going to end. Like, and I was determined I'm not going out at the hands of some pimp or whatever he was in a hotel room. Like, um, I'm gonna, I need to get out of here. So, um, I managed to, it was, I probably got out of there maybe $900 lighter which I think looking back on it, man, I, mean, I might have been might have been easy on me there. Paid him the extra money, bolted out the door, but as I'm, I'm sprinting to the elevator, I can hear him open the door behind me and they're yelling, hey, we're going to have to pay us, you're going to have to pay us more money or we're going to call your wife. Well, with that, I, I made it out of the hotel room and and I made it, went on with my day. And, and that's why I called the title of my book Unmasked because I went on about my day, nobody knew what was lurking underneath the mask I had on. All they saw was this nice guy, hard worker, family man, good husband, good businessman. And I didn't let on. Like nobody knew I was just attempt a black uh, prostitute just attempted to blackmail me. I went on my day with like, oh, okay, well, whatever. 
And because that's how I treated it. I mean, I just had this double life. I had this mask on my whole life and it was just stuffing everything behind there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made it made it back home to Kansas City after that trip. They had not called my wife Amy yet. So I'm thinking, okay, well, they're bluffing. They just wanted more money out of me. This is going to pass and they'll get bored and forget about me and life will go on. Um, but um, this is the first time I say God visited me on that Sunday after the trip, March 1st, 2020, 9.30 at night. Um, my phone starts blowing up and it's text messages from this couple. They're saying, you've got 15 minutes to call, or 15 minutes to pay us more money or we're going to call your wife. And then they also sent me a, a picture from the encounter I had. So now it's like, okay. But again, I just chose to ignore it thinking you're just bluffing. Because there's if I if I if they blow blow me up, like then I'm not gonna send them any more money. But that was pretty naive of me. I'm sure they had plenty of marks. And once they realized I wasn't gonna pay, <clears throat> at 9.45, I can hear the phone upstairs, uh, my wife's cell phone going off in our bedroom and um, I hear the muffled sounds of the conversation and, and she, I hear the footsteps coming out of the bedroom getting louder and louder. And then she, you know, burst into my office and she's like, are you cheating on me? Uh, and of course, I did what any good addict or someone who was just caught uh, did, which is I lied. I said, oh, this is the first time I'd ever done anything like this. I'll never do it again. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. But I was honestly, I was more sorry that I was caught than I was sorry about the hurt and, and pain I was causing my wife. Right. So that's kind of <laughs> a lot of process there. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah, that no, a that's, lot that's yeah, that's tough. So I would assume that was the first lump you took. That was the first first of three. Um, and this, you know, so think about the timing of this too. This is March 2020. Yep. Two weeks after that, um, the country gets shut down because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So now, and both of our jobs were impacted. So we basically were off together for two months. No job, nowhere to go. We're trying to deal with this this big thing I dropped in the in our into our house, and um, it was awkward. And I still had not, um, you know, I had still had not found Jesus yet. So I'm still kind of like trying to figure out. Okay, I, I, you know, Amy, she kind of bought the story, but I knew, like, I think deep down she'd say she didn't, but she just, I don't think she really, she would say like she didn't really want to face it either. Mm-hmm. And so. About six weeks after that first encounter, I'm home in Kansas City, and um, my, you know, my addiction came calling me again, and I felt compelled to set up an appointment with a woman that I had known in Kansas City um, that I, I paid money to, and so I, I set up that appointment, but I, I do it all on my laptop. I was texting her, uh, and when I leave the house, I make sure that my laptop is locked down tight because I know if like if Amy got on here, she'd see all these things I was doing. It would expose my this double life. And so I, I make this appointment, shut down my computer, leave the house. And about 15 minutes later, uh, my phone starts blowing up. This time it's from Amy. And uh, she's now got onto my computer. Like, again, I never leave it unlocked if I'm leaving the house and Amy's around. Somehow I left it unlocked. She got on there. She doesn't know how to use the computer, but she managed to take screenshots of the conversation I was having with this other woman, texted them to me and said, what the heck is going on? So, of course, I, I turned around, never made it to that appointment. And and frankly, when I got home, I don't remember what I said to, said to her, but it was just a bunch of nonsense, lies. Like I was like my life was starting to unravel. I was running out of places to turn to. I was kind of trapped in a corner a little bit. I had 
I was running out of lies to say. And, um, and then, of course, whenever I was telling Amy, she wasn't buying it, <laughs> not, not in the least, rightly so. And uh, she told me before we went to bed that night, she's like, if, if you want to save this marriage, you're going to have to ask God for help. Um, that's, that's all there is to it. And so uh, I'm going to take a pause there and just kind of give the backstory of how, why Amy said that to me is because we got married before that moment. We got, got married eight years ago. Before we got married, neither of us were believers in God. I think Amy grew up in a Catholic household, but didn't really have any connection to God. Didn't go to church, that kind of thing. And I, I actually grew up in a Jewish household, and, and uh, but I, I consider myself an atheist. And so we lived a very, you know, very worldly life, was out and partying and doing everything before we got married. And then three months after we got married, um, Amy <laughs> approaches me and she's like, Neil, um, I found Jesus. I'm a, I'm a born again Christian now. Now, now think about think about the dynamics here. My wife of three months tells a Jewish atheist that she's now a born again Christian. Like it's like it like it just. Um, I, I think I look back on it and it sort of brought up these old feelings of I'm alone again because oh, Amy's got this relationship with God and with Jesus now, and she's you know found something better than me. So I'm going to start acting out again. Again, I you know I. I wrongly blamed her for why I was acting out in these addictions. But that's really sort of where the kind of how those sort of triggered again um, after being married um, to Amy. And so fast forward back to the um, to the third and final time God visited me. Went to bed that night, the next morning. Um, Amy had already left the house. She had gone somewhere, didn't tell me. So I'm laying in bed. So I'm like, well, I'm going to I have nothing better to do. So I'm going to ask God for help. I got nowhere else to turn at this point. And I did. I prayed and I, I just asked God, I was like, I need some help. Um, I don't, my life is unraveling. I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know how to stop it. Just give me a sign that, um, give me a sign that you're out there that help is, help is available. And as soon as I finished that prayer, the garage door opened up and it was Amy coming home. And obviously Amy is the key to this whole story here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, she came came home and I told her that, hey, look, I prayed. I, I want to work on our marriage. I don't want to get divorced. And I was really serious about that at the time. And, you know, she, you know, reluctantly agreed to, you know, continue to work on things. She's still obviously very confused about what the heck is going on. And then finally that afternoon, we're sitting on the couch and this time Amy gets a text message. It's actually a Facebook instant message. It was from some random guy. We don't know. And all it said was, do you know Anil Getzlow? Well, it turns out, we later found out, that guy happened to be the, the ex-boyfriend of another woman I had the um, pain to have sex with. He had found this woman's iPod or iPad and gotten all the messages that I had sent her. Basically, we're starting to text them all to Amy. But before that even happened, I finally said, all right. When, when Amy said, do you know this guy? I'm like, no. I was like, but I, I just had this overwhelming feeling that I had to confess everything to Amy. And as I write in the book, like this is, it felt like I had to throw up. Like, and you know, when you get sick, like you can mm. feel it turning in your stomach and it just works its way up and you can't stop it. And all of a sudden just blah, all over. Like I just threw up all over the floor of our marriage and told her everything, you know, confessed that I was addicted to pornography. I had been paying prostitutes to have sex with me for a good portion of our marriage. And uh, I will say, just like you do after you get sick, I felt instantly better. I did feel good. 
team, but then I was waiting for the left hook to come because, you know, what was Amy's reaction going to be? And, and what she did, you know, changed my life. And again, this was just my experience. Right, uh, right. Like she looked up at me and she's like, Neil, she's like, Jesus forgave me for my sins. How can I not forgive you for yours? I forgive you. And wow. uh, that, that moment changed our life. It really did. Um, right. I, have not, I have not looked at pornography since that day, April 14, 2020. Uh, I've not been tempted to visit a prostitute. I have not been tempted to do anything related to sex except with Amy for the past two years. Like it's, it's, um, I, I got this freedom and, um, like I said, it, it changed our lives. It, it changed our marriage. And, um, and it's because, you know, um, because of what God did and, and because of Amy, because of what Amy did. Right. Now, now I got a question. Um, yeah. During this whole time, you know, I mean, that that story is is it's just unbelievable. But it is during during that whole time. Um, I mean, obviously there was guilt. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you were feeling remorse. Uh, how did that affect you emotionally? And did that help you try to, uh, you know, come out of this hole that you were in? Well, I would say like before, before I kind of got uncovered or uh, unmasked, if you will, um, that was one of the things that I, I kind of, what my therapist told me, he was like, cause I was a terrible communicator with Amy. And, but he's like, you had so many lies in your head that you were trying to keep straight. Like it took up all of your brain power, all of your energy to keep those straight. So yeah, it's no wonder I couldn't have a very deep conversation with her because I, all I was thinking was, is what I'm telling her going to unravel all these lies I've been sharing? And so they just took all my brain power. Um, but I will say like, um, you know, post this all going down, um, I mean, I brought a lot of evil into my house and I brought a lot of evil into my marriage and into the world, into my world. And yeah, there are moments where you just look back thinking, I, you know, you feel, um, you feel, of course you feel guilty and remorseful now. Um, but I would say like, I use that as motivation now because, um, you know, Amy's forgiveness, it, it was helpful for a couple of reasons. Obviously, number one, it helped us, gave us a fighting chance to save our marriage. It really eliminated the bitterness Amy could have carried around with her if she harbored this. If she didn't truly forgive me, she would have carried around this bitterness for a long time and it, our marriage would have just disintegrated. But it also, Amy's forgiveness, what it didn't do is it didn't absolve me from any accountability or any responsibility for my actions. I had to own up to those actions that I did, uh, and those things that I did. I had to admit him. I had to talk about him. I had to share the nitty gritty details to Amy because she absolutely turned into like a forensic detective after this all went down, wanting to know everything about I, what I was doing with my time, with these women, with our money, that kind of thing. Um, I had to learn how to take accountability again for, for the decisions in my life and, and what I was doing. And so, um, you know, it's, you know, the story is hard to, to tell. It is unbelievable. I sit here today and, and think, how, how did I get here? Like, I never would have predicted I would have been, I would have found Jesus and given up everything that I thought I used to love, but I did. 
Um, and um, I still can't, I mean, like, I, still, I still can't even, I can't, ex- I can't even believe it myself sometimes. Well, now, so, do you, um, do you blame anybody? Do you have, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, as far as how you got to that point, do you, you know, yeah. do, you, do you blame social media? Do you blame, you know, the advertisers and what they push in front of everybody on a daily basis? We talked about that a little bit earlier. You know, do you, do you lay some blame on, on society for, for, you know, uh, the path that you ended up taking? Yeah, I mean, society, I think, definitely puts a lot of stumbling blocks in your way. And if you if you are susceptible to that, like I was, and if you, like most people are, not that we're gullible or anything, but that, that stuff appeals to us because that's just what we're, you know, kind of been programmed to, to look for. Um, but I would say, like, um, I, 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 you know, yeah, social media played a role in, in my actions. And what I was looking at, on TV and watching on TV absolutely was playing a role in my actions. But I would also say that um, I, it wasn't until number one, I had to realize what my identity was. Before my identity was built on everything in the world, it was built on my career, it was built on how big of a house I had, what kind of car I drove, how much money was in my bank account. That was my identity. Today, my identity is rooted in God. And when I have that as the center of what I focus on these days, um, it makes those the things, uh, the social media and all those things of the world, those are less important. Those are less of a distraction. Um, but I would say, like, everyone's got a choice, though. Those, those, those stumbling blocks are in front of you. Um, I used to blame everybody but myself for my problems. It wasn't until I finally turned the finger back at myself and said, hey, maybe there's something I'm doing wrong. Maybe there's something going on with me that I need to take a look at and stop blaming you know, blaming my parents, blaming my mom. Why, mom? Why did you have all those, you know, pornographic okay. magazines there? Right. Thank, thank you, because that was the point of the question. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and yes, and I, I did. I absolutely blamed everybody else for the problems mm-hmm. for a long time, and it wasn't until I sort of flipped that thinking that's that's helped me. Right. Get Personal it. responsibility. Yes, hundred yes. percent. Be accountable for your actions. Mm-hmm. That's missing in society today. Heck yeah, it is. Yeah, we've got to take accountability for what we put out in the world. No question about it. Yeah. Agreed. Wow. It's been the Jeff and Neil show tonight, and I'm totally digging it. So (laughs) (laughs) so there's so many layers and rabbit holes you can go down on this. Well, but I a a lot of these layers and rabbit holes that you speak of, uh, these are in your book, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they are. And see how I did that? That was a I like that. Nice. See how I did that? Ah, ah. We don't want to give away the whole story. No, no. We want to give them a little bit of the juicy parts, but we want them really to go to your website. We want them to purchase the book. We want them to yeah. read. If if this is something that yeah. is in their life as well. And like, and like I, you know, yes, my book focuses on part of it is my faith journey. Like that is part of what got me out of the life I was living. But there, I think there are also some pretty practical tips like this. I can think of, of things that people can do if you are, you know, want to escape some of the addictions or, or want to, you know, fill up, um, fill up on the good stuff in the world. Like there are things you can do. What I can like what I used to say is like I used to fill up on the junk food of the world, which is, you know, the, the cable TV, the Netflix, you know, sports was an addiction of mine. 
Um, drinking was a problem for me. Smoking pot, sorry, was a problem for me. Like all that stuff contributed to this lifestyle I was leading. And um, I had to replace all that. I canceled cable TV. I canceled Netflix. I slowed down my sports watching and replaced it with stuff that filled me up, filled up my mind with, with good stuff, I called it, which was, you know, um, spending time with my wife. What a concept. And, and reading the Bible and going to church and um, spending my time doing other things besides what I was looking at before that was taking me down this other path. Well, I think that, I think that a lot of people um... – they they search for things just to make themselves feel better. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's a society problem. To be honest with you, you know what I mean? Because I believe that everybody should feel good about themselves anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. And society makes it really really hard to do that because you're supposed to be like this. You're supposed to be like that. You're supposed to look like this. You're supposed to eat this. You're supposed to watch this. You know what I mean, and and it's I I, I think it's it, it's making it harder. Well, it's very the country is very polarized. Society is very polarized right now, and I know we don't want to go down politics or any of those other things. But we can say society is very polarized, and you're, mm-hmm. you know, and and so it makes it hard to, yeah, it just there's just a lot of angst out there right now, and the pandemic, you know, created a lot of anxiety for people, and you know, uneasiness and. Um, you know, again, for me, like the pandemic, and I know people, you know, people have lost loved ones and I've lost, you know, I've had people that I know that have passed away over the course of the pandemic. Um, but for me also, I would say like the pandemic for me was like probably the best thing that could have happened to me because in my mind, it was God saying, I'm going to take away everything in life that you love. I'm going to take away your prostitution. I'm going to take away your pornography. I'm going to take away you going to the bars and running away from your life uh, because I'm closing down the bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take away sports because I'm shutting down sports for a year. Like You've got nothing to do but focus on resetting your life. Um, what are you going to do with it? And, and that's that's what I did. I, reset, I hit the reset button big time. And um, I reset my life. And... Um, you know, I think whether it's pornography, whether it's alcohol, drugs, whatever, um, you know, we're looking to fill ourselves up with something to to make us feel better. And um, I, again, for me, it wasn't until I started filling up my heart um, on my faith journey that um, that's when I was able to, to kind of walk away from all that stuff. Wow. Uh, in the comments, uh, you know, uh, Kyle made a couple comments uh, talking about smoking a joint right now. But, uh, you know, <laughs> being addicted to video games, being a bit more serious, you, you can totally be addicted to video games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Absolutely you, anything can be addicted. Like I said, I was addicted to sports. Yeah, I mean, I know that seems hard to believe, but I would literally watch sports all weekend long, um, you know, even up to two years ago. You mean you name it? It was on ESPN eight. I was watching it. The marble racing. I was watching it. Like, like the marble racing. I just I couldn't like I don't know. Again, it was just something that because and here it is like my identity was rooted in my sports teams. Mm-hmm. If um, the Kansas City Chiefs won the game, I had a great week. If they lost on Sunday, my week sucked because I my identity was so rooted in how that team was doing. Like that, I just couldn't separate it, and I just right. that 
I got addicted to that high of every week, man, they're doing great. But then you got to deal with, with the lows. And again, I fortunately, it, <laughs> fortunately now, away from that. Is that is that kind of um, this may sound weird, but living your life through the ups and downs of others? Yeah, sure. It was right. a way. To, it was a way to take take the. It was a way to take the focus off the pain in my own life. Absolutely, mm-hmm. for sure, without question. So. so- yeah. Let's say, uh, you know, somebody realizes that, you know, they may have an addiction in, in their life. Uh, what are, uh, you know, some some steps that you would recommend somebody take? Yeah. So, um, again, for me, you know, God is a part of the equation for me. I realize they may not be part of the equation for everybody, which, which I understand. And I, I respect that. You know, for me, I, I replaced again I, first thing i did was sort of replace the, the negative things in my life the negative influences in my life and replace them with positive things um i found myself an accountability partner someone to um help keep me accountable if i feel like i'm going you know going down the wrong path or something i have someone I, that will check on me or you know and kind of check me and make sure that i'm, I'm staying true to what i've committed to doing um you know for, for me with pornography um, there are there are apps you can put in your phone. Even beyond the safe, like the safe parent thing or the filters, or whatever. Like there are and there are apps you can put on the phone, your phone to, to block that. I didn't have to do that necessarily, but what I did do was um, I put a location tracker on our phones. So now my wife knows where I am 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm-hmm. and that that helps build the trust. That helps keep me accountable. Um, and and then again, I would say also. I think it is important that if you truly are suffering from an addiction, um, that you go talk to someone about it. Like, and maybe maybe it's a professional counselor, maybe not. Maybe it is your your significant other or partner. Maybe it's a friend. But you got to talk to someone about it. You can't keep it in, because I think that's what I did for most of my life. Honestly, I kept it all bottled up inside. Never talked about. Never talked about it with anybody. And it just, it was like a self defeat. You know, self fulfilling prophecy a little bit because. You know, I needed help, but I, I was, I thought I could handle it on my own. I'm strong enough. I'm big enough. I can deal with all these on my own. I don't need anybody to help me. Right. You, don't, you don't want to be looked at as a bad person either. Yeah. Right. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and that's, that's kind of an ego thing. Sure. Sure. But you know, so you gotta, you gotta let go of that. You know, you what I mean? it's okay to ask for help. It is. Right. Um, it doesn't matter how big or bad you think you are. Yeah. It's okay. And, you know, I get that. I get asked a lot, like, why, why are you being so public about this? Why do you want to talk about the worst parts of your life um, with people? And, um, and I, I want to share because I want people to know, like, there is, there is hope and there is life on the other side of whatever addiction you might be going through or if your marriage is hitting a rough spot. Because believe me, if my marriage can survive um, pornography and multiple sex outside of my marriage and i promise you you know your relationship can survive if you're mad at someone for not taking out the trash or you know mm-hmm. right. whatever like again like if, if, if we can survive our problem and i know people can survive right right what they're facing too right now I, I i think that you know it's really important for uh you know you to tell your story for two reasons number one it can help others yeah but most importantly, it's helping you. Yep. Absolutely, hundred percent. 
Like, and even like, even the act of writing the book, like if I sell any books, like I shouldn't be saying this, but it's true. Like, I don't care, right? I, the, the, I've already, I've already, I've already won, right? Because that book helped me, it helped rebuild my marriage because Amy was right there with me after every chapter, I let her read it and she would weigh in and, and you know, fill in the gap to tell me that wasn't, you know, that wasn't right or whatever. And it was very therapeutic for us. Right. So now, it's just, awesome. you know, now it's like I said, it's, it's not about selling the books. It's, it's really, truly about helping people and, and uh, just trying to bring some, bringing some hope into a world that needs it right now, I think. Right. Right. So Leo, where can they find out about this guest? And well, his books? Yeah, definitely. Check the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. And, uh, you know, I, I could see definitely, you know, uh, with writing the book, you know, it, you profited uh, emotionally, but, you know, that any sort of like creative outlet is, is just, it's not stuck in here anymore. It just gets it out and out into the world, you know? Yeah. And I, I'd say like in talking to, talking to you guys and talking to some other shows that i've been on like it's uh i'm getting this urge to, to to do my own show and again it's like not to just again it, it is sort of a creative outlet but it's it's a it is a way to just continue the healing mm -hmm. like okay. you know, um just as a way to keep talking about it and help I, and i know like even though my story is pretty unique i gotta believe there are other people out there that have just as interesting stories to tell I'm well, sure of course. You can attest to you. Yeah, of course there is. You ain't that special. That's right. <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. But I am going to say this. If you are serious about potentially doing a show, I let think us I know, know what you're going to say. You know exactly what I'm going to say. I do. This, our show that you're on right now is one <laughs> of 40 plus shows that run on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Mm -hmm. um, we're always looking for unique content, um, unique shows, and people that are willing to build as they go. Yeah. Um, so if that's something that you're serious about, I'm not, and this is live. We're broadcasting right now on. Oh, yeah. What are we up to 15 platforms now? Uh, something like that, plus uh, radio. Plus yeah. the radio and plus the 19 podcast channels worldwide. Um, it's great content. And I mean, I mean, addiction itself is something that everybody can associate to. Well, I was just going to say, you know, your story can be applied to so many different things. Right. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, it, it really can, you know, I mean, I've got my own, I'm not going to get into it from years and years ago, but, um, you know, we that's why, that. you know, every, I, I think everybody's gone through something like that. Yeah. Right? I agree. And in addiction, like you said, could be anything, could be anything from the porn, <laughs> sex, drugs to, to like Kyle said, video games. Yeah. I mean, their addiction is so wide that a show like that, I think you guys, I mean, that would be, I, I, I would give it some serious consideration and we'll talk more off screen behind yeah, the scenes later right. on. Um, because, sure. you know, the guru right there in the corner, um, yep. he's, he's amazing at what he does. 
You know, he's over in Connecticut. Jeff and I are in Massachusetts, and you are in KC Mo, Kansas City. That's what I thought. I want. I was in. The, I was going to say it, but I wanted to make sure. Yeah, you got uh, it. Um, so, being able to do things like this, you can reach so many people worldwide. Yeah. And for guest wise, you can bring people in. Yeah. From all over the world. You know, we actually had a guest on a few months back from Australia. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, so, and we've had guests on from the UK. So, um, yeah, I would give it some serious consideration. Yeah, we're kicking it around. We're kicking it you know, around. You know? Well, you definitely have a story to tell. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that it fits, you know, like I said, it, it fits in everybody's everyday life. I don't, I don't care what it is. Yep. And you're not afraid to talk about it. That's the thing is a lot of people that have addictions. And trust me, I have a son who has an addiction. I have a brother who has battled addictions his whole life. It's doing very well now. Yeah. I have other family. They're afraid to talk about it. Yeah. You know, um, and to see something that you went through, you know, that might help that. Right. One well, that's person. part of the healing process. Yeah, it is. Right. And like you said, like, it, when I talk about my story, like it, it, I do feel encouraged. It makes me sort of happy to know, like, because I can talk about where I was and, and what I kind of overcame to where I am today. Like, it, it's always a good reminder. Like, yeah, man, I, I was doing some pretty ugly stuff, but yeah, but you want to know something? Yeah, people, people care. Yeah, you're right about that. That's what one thing I've learned about through all this. Mm. People do care about other people. It's even though you don't see it every day, it's not something that's, you know, the news doesn't like to focus in on some of that stuff, but um, they like to focus on the controversies. Well, but that's yeah. why we do these things. Yeah. Right. You're right. I mean, seriously. You know, um, our, yeah. the show, the show that we produce or that Leo produces for us is, is, is a very wide variety. Yeah. You know, and that's why we said backstage, we don't discuss politics and we don't yeah. discuss religious point of views. Sure. And that's how I should put that from now until the yes is religious point of views because a yeah. lot of people do have religion in their lives and they yeah. bring that into the show. But you know, yep, your beliefs are your beliefs, my beliefs, and my beliefs. But that does not mean we can't be friends. Absolutely right. You know, you know, that's well, the biggest it, thing with the world today. It's it's funny because I you know I called Ben um, probably about 15, 20 minutes before we, you know we were going to be signing on. Like and... he does every week. Like I do every week. Yeah. And, you know, I do typically I do research on the guests and, and I try and find out as much about them as possible. And I expressed a concern that, you know, I didn't know how this show was going to go just because of the subject matter. And um, but to be honest with you, um, it was just one of the best shows I've done yeah. because it, it touches on humanity. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, it, it's great. And if you guys want to find out more about what Neil went through with with his wife and everything, you got to get the book. Unmasked is available in the show notes up above, down below. And I'll, if, if you buy the book off, off my website, we are donating five dollars from every book sold to run to stop it. It's an organization here in Kansas City, but they uh, they use the the money they raise to fight against human trafficking across the U.S. So it's obviously an important an important um, yep national point for us now. Just given that's, what we came out of, so that's that's uh, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you guys having me on, having the conversation, because I know it's not easy. It's not the most warm and fuzzy topic. Um, um, so, but no, it's it, real. It, it was a great topic. Um, it, you know, it, it's it, an important, important topic. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. an important topic. And like I said, we had somebody on from Australia. That was a similar style show. That gentleman, gentleman's name was Michael Crossland. If you just look up Michael Crossland, you'll go, oh, my. He's one of the most sought-after inspirational speakers in the world. Wow. You know, um, same style show. We really, really enjoy these style shows because, like Jeff said, and you've said, it touches on humanity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Life because, is not all about being warm and fuzzy. No. It's not. No. no. Because there's reality involved. Yep. There is, but you know, if you can, able, you're able to. Like, I think everybody has the power to be able to take, take the, the bad stuff in your life and turn it around and and, and make, turn it into something good for sure. Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. if you can help one or two people along the way, you did your job. It's just one person. That's all right. I ask. One. If I can help one person, then all right. of this has been worth it. Right. So. Yeah. And not not to get religious or anything like that, but you, you mentioned. Um, uh, where was I going with this? Uh, I have no idea. Yoda. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, uh, your life may go down the wrong path, but like everybody has a path and, you, you know, every now and then you'll get pushes into the right direction and, and your life, you know, will change. And you'll, you know, you, if you put into work and, and, you know, meet life halfway, you're going to be put back in the right uh, path, you know? Yeah. Uh, everything happens for a reason. I think I've said that before. <laughs> like when I asked you to do the live show three years ago, I said, hey, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Shaking his head. But I know I know you do you I know Leo does have another show um I do. 45 minutes. So yeah, uh, any last questions um from the from us or in the in the chat? Well uh I just wanted to say real quick uh, for Neil and for everybody listening or watching, uh, you know, if you are interested in a show, definitely, you know, talk to us. We don't take any ownership of anybody's content. Uh, and, you know, we, we do help facilitate guests and stuff like that. So this is meant for, you know, everybody watching and, and for you, Neil, as well. Uh, oh, yeah. and we can definitely, you know, discuss that, uh, you know, later. But yeah, yeah. I, I know a lot of places like to, you know, take ownership of content and we're not, we're not about that. So yeah. Uh, no, it's all yeah. yours. Yeah, totally. Oh. All right. We, we can, we can help thing. put you up on a pedestal. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to be on a pedestal. <laughs> it was a joke. I, I got him to laugh. Yeah. I mean, we, we, like, we, got, we got real serious here tonight. There were very, very minimal jokes. And I and I honestly thought that Jeff being Jeff was going to have a few. I did. I, I, I did. I, I, I really, really did. It, it, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, there were calluses were involved. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but, but, that is the the amazing thing about this. Now, my wife and I have got to the point where we can. It's awkward, but we we do joke about it now. Like, and to me, that's a great sign. Like, okay, I think we're gonna be okay here because right. every once in a while we'll, we'll be driving in the car and there'll be we'll pass some sketchy looking hotel and she'll look at me kind of side eye and she's like. Did you ever meet anyone there? And then she just busts out laughing. Like, you know, it's just like. Well, that's, and, and that's how you got to do it. It, it is. It is. It's part of the healing process. Yes. It is. it is. But I just, again, 
just encourage everybody. If there's someone, you know, forgiveness is, is, is real and it helps, it helps just eliminate all that bitterness. Don't carry it around. Let go of no. that and um, you got a chance to heal your relationships and uh, yeah, be better yeah. for it. You know, and a word to the wise, not everybody's going to be your friend and be supportive when you reach out. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. But there will be. There will be. You will find someone. But you will find the right person. 100%. More people. Yep. Yep. So So on that note, Leo, I know you're on the show. Neil, uh, when he closes out the show, just hang tight. Don't 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 jump off on us. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Go ahead, Leo. Sorry. Yeah, I, I want to thank everybody for watching this fine evening or listening over on Dead Dork Radio. Uh, so uh, yeah, for me, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true. Could be not. I'm not going to say which is which. Uh, but I run a little thing called Dorkening Podcast Network, as Ben said, uh, said about 40 shows on the network. Ton of awesome people doing a ton of awesome stuff. So head on over to thedorkening.com. You can learn more about it, and uh, we're actually going to be doing a show at 9 p.m. Uh, season finale of uh, Boba Fett was today, and uh, you, know, you better not have any spoilers. Oh, it's going to be all spoilers. Uh, all right, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll be driving down to Connecticut. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to go watch it before you show. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Why are you putting it on me? I'm last. Yeah, well, you were chatting. You were chatting. Uh, it'll yeah. be a lot, a lot of uh, munchy talk. Uh, but for, for the, <laughs> those of you know, we'll, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Neil, where do you like, uh, people, uh, following you? Uh, yeah, good. If you go to my website, neilgetslow.com, you can find me there. And there's links to my social media on Facebook, Instagram. You can find me there. Um, you can email me there. Seriously. If you want to just reach out and you need, you need someone to vent to or talk to, just send me an email through there. Love to, love to connect with you. Awesome. And uh, by the way, Moochie, not Munchie. Moochie. Huh? Moochie, not Munchie. Moochie. Okay. Moochie. 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 Is that the oh frog's my. name? No, 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 no. What oh. frog? No. Forget what it, What the fuck Jeffrey. is a frog? No. You know uh, what a frog is? Moochie is a rancor. What the fuck is a rancor? Oh, Forget it. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> So, stilltalking.com, follow us there. Uh, Neil, thank you very much. Uh, that was um, inspirational, enlightening. Um, you know, and I'm going to go give my wife a big hug when I'm done with the show. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. And she's going to give you a big lump. No, she'll kick me in the balls. <laughs> yeah, she'll give you a big lump. <laughs> <laughs> Leo found the button. Yeah, I'm he did. I'm so surprised. Yeah. But uh, no, in all seriousness, um, we want to thank Neil for coming out and sharing his story tonight. I think that um, it really helps him with the healing process, but I hope it helps somebody that's watching or listening to us tonight to reach out, ask for help, and try to kick the addiction. To all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do every day so people like us can come up here and do what we do. We're out of here. Be safe. We'll see you next week. Bye.